Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Lighthouse Bible Church. Let's begin by praying together. Father, no matter what's going on in our lives, whether we're going through tragic circumstances or happy ones, we know that you never change. And we know that from eternity past, you, were, you had put a plan together for us. You knew we would fall, but you knew you loved us. But you knew your holiness had to be satisfied with the sin of the world. And so you gave us your son, Jesus Christ, and he died for us. And he was buried. And then you raised him from the dead on the third day. So that whoever simply believes in your son, Jesus Christ, will never perish, but has eternal life. And we thank you for that gift to us. We thank you too for that gift to the world. We pray for our brothers and sisters in Christ this morning, particularly those who are suffering in any way. And we ask for the Holy Spirit's guidance as we continue this this morning in the Gospel of John. We ask it all in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. If you would stand and we'll have a congregation song. All right, you may be seated. Now, for a lot of you, testing one, two, three. Testing one, two. We're good back there? Okay. I know you guys can hear me, so I think. Um, you know, for most of us, that was a new song this morning that we haven't sung before. Um, and when we have that, remember, the most important thing are the words. So at first, if all you do is hear the rhythm of it, and just even if you just speak the words, even if you just sing a song that's got nothing to do with the melody to begin with, then do that. Right? Or do it quietly. So you can hit to hear the melody and pick up on it. So anyway, we're gonna like all the other new ones, we'll be singing this one again. Probably again next week so you hear it again. Okay, this morning, let me give you the announcements of the day. Next Sunday is the first Sunday of February. And that means we'll celebrate the Lord's Supper at the end of service tomorrow morning. Once again, I want to encourage you to bring people to church, to invite them here. Um, there's never been more need to hear the good news than there is today. And I would say that especially in our country, that's true. You know, because historically, this country has been the most Christian country in the world. And I don't think that's true necessarily anymore. So we need, especially, we need people to hear the gospel clean. Just what Christ did, and it's a matter of believing. And then if they're believers in Christ, then they need to have the word in their heart. And they need to have, be, have their minds renewed. And that's what we do here. We don't do it perfectly, but we do it here. And probably there's probably not too many other places that you could bring people to or tell them about in our geographic location where they do that and just do that. So, again, I I invite you, I encourage you to invite others to join us on Sundays. Once again, a reminder that on our website, we do have um, we have Bible study every Thursday and we have a study guide every Thursday. And what Mark has done now is put them all in one place. So you can just go to one place and see them in order. Um, so that's, that's good. makes it easier um, because Isaiah is a big book. And so, for example, right now we're, we've just finished uh, week 150, I believe. That's, that slide's a couple of weeks old. So, um, so don't be intimidated by it, you know. But we're going to try to also um, organize it and give it titles so that we know, you know, which chapter and verse each one of these files represents. So one step at a time. Okay. 
Let's begin this morning in the Gospel of John, chapter 16, verse 33. John, chapter 16, verse 33. I'm going to read that passage, and then, and it's a long one, okay? And I want to read it as a whole, because it's one prayer, and and I I want you to hear the whole thing this morning, Um, and then I'm going to, at the end today, um, I'm going to be, kind of begin the teaching of that prayer at a very high level. But first, we have some unfinished business in verse 33 of chapter 16. That I'm, Especially since we didn't meet last week, I'm going to go there, kind of give some review of where we've already been, and then go forward to the, to the last part of that. So, with that, John 16, 33. These things I have spoken to you, so that in me you may have peace. In the world you have tribulation. But take courage. I have overcome the world. Jesus spoke these things, and lifting up his eyes to heaven, he said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, that the Son may glorify you, even as you gave him authority over all flesh, all people, that to all you have given him, the Son of God, he may give eternal life. This is eternal life. That they may know you, the only true God, and that they may know Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. I glorified you on the earth, Father, having accomplished the work which you have given me to do. Now, Father, glorify me together with yourself with the glory which I had with you before the world was. I have manifested your name to the men that you gave me out of the world. They were yours, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they have come to know that everything you have given me is from you. For the words which you gave me, I have given to them. And they received them. And truly understood that I came forth from you, and they believed that you sent me. I ask on their behalf. I do not ask on behalf of the world, but of those whom you have given me, for they are yours, and all things that are mine are yours, and all things that are yours are mine, and I've been glorified in them. I am no longer in the world, yet they themselves are in the world, and I come to you. Holy Father, keep them in your name, the name which you have given me, that they may be one, even as we are. While I was with them, I was keeping them in your name, which you have given me, and I guarded them. And now one of them perished, but the son of perdition, that the scripture would be fulfilled. That's, of course, Judas. But now I come to you, and these things I speak in the world, so that they may have my joy, made full in themselves. Those are the disciples. That the disciples may have his joy made full in themselves. I have given them your word and the world has hated him, them because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. I do not ask you to take them out of the world, but to keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. 
As you sent me into the world, I have also sent them into the world. For their sakes, I sanctify myself, that they themselves also may be sanctified in truth. I do not ask on behalf of these alone, but for those also who believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, even as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you sent me. The glory which you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one, just as we are one, I in them and you in me, that they may be perfected in unity, so that the world may know that you sent me and love them, even as you have loved me. Father, I desire that they also whom you have given me be with me where I am, so that they may see my glory which you have given me, for you loved me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, although the world has not known you, yet I have known you, and these have known that you sent me. And I have made your name known to them, and will make it known, so that the love with which you loved me may be in them, and I in them. Greatest prayer in the Bible, bar none. And we'll, we'll come back to that prayer at the end today. Well, we're going to start, as I mentioned already, in chapter 16, verse 33, which, among other things, is the introduction. When Jesus says at the beginning of chapter 17, these things he spoke to them, all right, then he's talking all the way back, right, from chapter 13 on, but in particular, the last things he was saying about the world and the disciples. He's, I, I think you listened and heard this morning, that's a big part of the prayer in chapter 17. Not the only part, but a big part. But we begin now in chapter 16, verse 33. John chapter 16, verse 33. These things I have spoken to you so that in me you may have peace. These things I have spoken to you, the disciples, so that in me, Christ Jesus, you may have peace. In the world you have tribulation. You have it. It doesn't say you might. You have it. And as we saw in our prayer this morning, by the very fact that we are new creation in Christ, we're going to have tribulation in the world. By that very fact. But take courage. I have overcome the world. Okay. Let's Let's review where we left off last time. From verse 33, we see that the believer in Christ exists in two realms. If you're a believer in Christ, you live in two places, two realms. They've got nothing to do with one another. And that makes it hard to live in two realms, right? I mean, imagine if you were, um, well, you don't have to, I can tell you, we've got a close friend um, of the congregation. Uh, his name is Fassel John. Some of you have met him. He, he's, uh, he uh, has a ministry in Pakistan. He lives in Pakistan part of the year. Pakistan is 99% Muslim. So literally, he, he lives in two worlds. But here's the thing. That's, that's a visual. I mean, we can understand what it would be like, perhaps, to live in a Muslim country for half the year and then come to a 
kind of Christian country for half a year. Right? And, and so the point is, is, that seems dramatic, and it is. But we are in the same situation on the spiritual realm. And in spiritual realm it is. The world is not a physical thing. We studied that in the past. The world's not a physical. You can't, like, I'm going to go to the mall, and there's the world, right? Or, or even I'm going to, you know, I'm even going to read a newspaper, and that's the world. Look, those terrible people in the world. The world is a spiritual reality. The world is an expression of everything with which Satan hates God. That's really what the world is. The world is anti-God, and you are the child of God. Do you think that's going to be a conflict, conflict, a difficulty, strain? You know, yes, it's going to be. Now, it's going to be out there, right? So, you know, you're going to meet unbelievers, and they're going to be hostile, and you're not going to necessarily know why sometimes. They probably don't know why. But there will be that automatic hostility of the world because you're a believer in Christ. But there will also be, and there is, another spiritual realm. That's a realm we're going to review this morning where you've been given every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. And that's where, we, that's where our life is. You know, That's what Paul tells us in Colossians chapter 3. He says, listen, when it comes to this world, you've died to that. You've died. But nevertheless, you live, but your life is in heaven where Christ is, seated at the right hand of the Father. That's a dramatic difference. And we have, we're both of those places. You know, put it this way. We, we have, most of us, if not all of us, have a citizenship in the United States. We are citizens of the United States. Well, that's down here on earth. That's in the world, too. We're seeing that more than ever. How the, how the world has encroached upon and indeed, you know, smothered our great country. However, we have another citizenship, and that's in heaven, where, where nothing can touch it. It's perfect. We have a perfect citizenship now. And so while we, as a practical matter, we have to live in this country, and I'm not saying it's bad because one, one of the great things is that we do have citizenship in the United States. For down here, certainly advantages to it. But up there, we've already got a perfect one. So we exist in two realms, in Christ and in the world. And that's what we're going to take a look at this morning. We saw last time, too, that um, in, the, in, in, the, in Christ, we have love, joy, and peace. Now, remember the picture last time? Maybe you do, maybe you don't. But it's another visual. This happens to be, the Lord is my shepherd, right? This happens to be the good shepherd guarding his flock. That's what Jesus is going to say in that prayer. He says, Father, well, I've been down here. I've taken care of yours. I've guarded them against the evil one. Of course, now he's going to leave. And he's saying, hey, Father, now, in a sense, your turn to watch over them, right? But in any event, here's a shepherd. He is the door of the sheep. And as long as they're in there, they're at peace. They have what they need. They're secure. And that's for us what it means to be in Christ. However, we are also in the world. And now look at this. Now in the world, you have tribulation. If you're a sheep and you're out to pasture with your shepherd and then a, then a wild animal comes, now all of a sudden, you know, sheep, it doesn't take much to scare a sheep. 
by the way. You can just go make a loud noise, and they'll be scurrying away. Imagine when they run across that, a, a, a wild animal, a bear or a lion, right? They're shivering. And, of course, yet they have somebody with them who can overcome that, right? The shepherd can, can overcome that, but that's real, and they're experiencing it, and he's also there to overcome that. So, again, very simply, here are the two worlds we're in. Not worlds, because one of them is the world. Two realms that we're in. Two realities that we're in. In Christ and in the world. And, of course, we know that this, in Christ, is much greater than that. The power that we have in Christ blows away any power this world has. Even the principalities and powers in Christ, we've got more. And that's a good thing. Nevertheless, we need to be aware of the difference so that we're, and the reason is, is not to go investigate for yourself. I don't think any sheep would want to go looking on their own to find where the bears and the lions are, but rather to understand it on the basis of faith. My Lord has said this about the world, and I believe it. I don't have to go chasing it around. I believe it's true, and that's enough. However, what we do, we want to grow in is our understanding of what it means to be in Christ. Because that's our best protection. You know, I mean, and we're talking spiritual matters, right? We're talking our souls. You know, as long as you are engaging with the world and being, allowing the world to be very present to you, your soul is going to be in turmoil. Your soul. And that's more important than what you may face in this world. So what do you do about that? You, re- you remember and you learn that you are in Christ and you learn about what that is and what you have in him, who you have. Because in Christ, we have love. By the way, this is right out of the Gospel of John, verse chapter 16 and 17. We read about this this morning. In Christ, you have love. You have the love of the Father. Because the Father loves him, and as we sang this morning... He looks at him and sees us. And so think of the love that God the Father has for Christ, his son. And then realize that that same love is found in Christ for you and I today. It's, and it's there for our souls, first of all. It's there, it's there for our spiritual buildup. And we can go back to it any time. We know that from the very the reason why we're, we're alive in Christ is because God loved us so much that he had his son be crucified for us. And now that we're with him, in in him, do you think he's going to withhold any truly good thing from you? But by truly good, we're talking about the spiritual realm. This, love, that's truly good. That transcends time. That transcends our condition, our health, or sickness, or loneliness, or pain or intimidation, or guilt, or shame, or whatever it is, love overcomes that. There are three things that remain, right? Faith, hope, and love. We also have joy in Christ. We're going to get into what that means. And I want you to just, one of the things I just want you to keep looking at is that picture. Because the fact of the matter is, is that there's a counterfeit in the world of everything that's true, about being in Christ. That's why in chapter 17, Jesus prays, sanctify them in the truth because the world is going to try to counterfeit 
the truth. And that means practically count the counterfeits of what we have in Christ. So what am I saying? Well, I'm saying that if we have love in Christ, what, it, what does Satan in the world say? We're going to come up with a counterfeit love and we're going to get you concentrating on that. And what we're going to do is we're going to put it in a lot of songs and a lot of images. You can't go on any, on any social media without being bombarded with what they're trying to tell you is love. Which is, of course, anything but. It's the same thing with joy. The world wants, wants to have you preoccupied with a surface happiness. You know? And why? Because, yeah, and some of that's good. Some of that's nice. There's nothing wrong with it. That, is, that can be part of the blessing that God has. But what, where, where the counterfeit comes is when that's all you look at for your joy. You seek your joy in the world, whether it be, and these could be, you know, good things in and of themselves, subjectively. Okay, but if you're looking for the real joy in the things of this world, you know, and even good things like your family, like your favorite sports team, like your favorite meal, like your favorite symphony or your favorite whatever, you can enjoy them. God wants you to enjoy them, but just be sure you don't find your joy there. That joy that never ends. That joy that's part of rest and peace and love. And then peace. Jesus said it clearly. I, li- I give you my peace, not what? As the world gives you peace. Right? You know, obviously in the most obvious way, you know, the world tries to tell you that absence of, of physical warfare, you have, quote, peace. Um, no, I don't, because I have an absence of warfare right now. But, man, when I'm focused on the world, when I'm focused on the politics in my country, when I'm focused with how people acting, I don't have any peace inside. We have a lot of things. What does is, what is the world do? It stimulates anger and revenge and all that stuff. One of the things that drives me absolutely crazy about the so-called Christian world today is that we spend so much time reacting to the world, and so little time responding to the love of God. Because one of the things that happens when you respond to the love of God and you start to understand how, how wicked you are, and that's why Christ came to die for that and to then put the Spirit in you so that the Spirit will overcome the flesh that's inside you now that's trying to pull and tug at you and keep you in the world and feeling guilty and then all of that. That's all in the world. And, and again, the world is doing its best to, d- to distract you with that. My gosh, the distractions that the world has for us today. I mean, um, I think about like my one, it's not about me, but you know, even like 50 years ago, all right, you, had, you sort of had a more, quote, peaceful life in this sense, that you could have, you had the time, or you thought you had the time, you did have the time, you have it now, by the way, to just, let's say, spend two or three hours reading a book. How many people do you know that spend two or three hours reading any book, never mind the only book that they really get life out of? Why? Is it because we don't have as many material blessings as, we, as the country did 50 years ago? That's not it. No, what is it is that we have so much more distraction pulling us away and again, I have to tell you, that's ve- oh, that is very much true for so many Christians today. I mean, the very identity of being a Christian now is what you're against. Right? Oh, a Christian's against abortion. 
oh, a Christian is against the homosexuals. Oh, or in other respect, Christians anti-war. It's all what you're against. So it's like, okay, yeah, you're against a lot of things in the world, but time out. How about who's for you? How about what you have in Christ? You know, think of those things, whatever things are lovely and of good repute. Think on those things. If more Christians did that, they would not be doing all the political stuff and all the anger stuff and all, the, all of that because they're like, yeah, I, I, I know I'm never going to get peace in the world, never going to get joy in the world, never going to straighten out the world. And I don't have to because I can live over here in Christ. And there I have love, I have joy, I have peace. Look at Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 to 7. So, so I'm going to do what I said we should do, which is to spend a lot of time this morning on our life in Christ. This may be the only time you hear this in the next week. And I'll guarantee you between now and when we come back together again on Sunday, you will hear hundreds and thousands of messages from the world. Make no mistake, and unless you've got protection from that, you're going to fall prey to its influence. Not its power even, by the way, but its influence You're listening to it. You're letting it affect you on the inside. You're letting it affect how you think. Your relationships with other people. You know, we've gotten to the point in this country where we don't even think we need relationships with other people. Because you want to know something? If Christians did, then many, many more of them would be together a lot more than they are, including here on Sundays, but not just that. I mean, there was a book, I don't know how long ago it now, it's called Bowling Alone. Yeah, and I love that. I mean, I hate it, but that's a great description. You know, we are so, we are, we've been conditioned so much to think that we're individuals. I'm a rock. I'm an island. That we don't even know, and in some cases want, to have deep relationships with other people anymore. That's bad. It's just not good. Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 to 7. Be anxious for nothing. Don't worry about anything. But in everything... By prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, just let your requests be made known to God. And you know what will happen? The peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Where are you protected? Where are you guarded? In your hearts and in your minds. But where, well, where well, you are at peace when those hearts and minds are focusing on being in Christ Jesus. Yeah. So now, what, so now if you've listened so far this morning and you, you know, have to acknowledge, you know what? I do focus a lot on the world and its politics and it, what's wrong with it and, what's, and, and my neighbor and all this stuff. But you know what? I also, I'm listening this morning and boy, being in Christ sounds really good too, you know? So how do, you, how do you stay there? Right here. Don't worry. You know, so much, so, much, so much of what's angering people is really worry and fear in their hearts. Don't do that. But by everything, in everything, by prayer and supplication, okay, with thanksgiving. I mean, look, do what Jesus is doing in chapter 17. Go, go pray to the Father. Supplication means I'm praying on behalf of others, right? And, and what I'm going through, too. 
with thanksgiving. Uh, uh, one of the recent uh, daily texts talked about that. What does it mean to give thanks in everything? Right? And we saw it's exactly this. It's, it's the, no matter what's going on out there in your world and in your life, you can always go to what it means to be in Christ and be thankful for those things. And the more you pray, the more you're in touch with that, by the way. Because when you pray, you let go of the world, don't you? I'm really upset about my child. I don't know what's going to happen. I'm fearful for my child. I can't believe the way this country is going. I can't believe that the boss of my job is so cruel or whatever. What are you going to do, stew in the anger and the cruelty? Or are you going to go to the father and say, listen, I've had it here. You take it. Then I'll go retreat to in Christ and have joy again. Speaking of in Christ, I want to, again, remind us of what some of the things that we are to be thankful for in Christ, some of the things that we can and ought to consider and think about and, and, and experience in our souls, what it means to be in Christ. So that it's not simply two words. You know, I mean, we can study this, so to speak, we can, we can have intellectual conversation about in Christ. But that doesn't, that's a nice tool, but that doesn't really, that's not why we're in Christ. We're in Christ so that we can live in all the blessings. And matter of fact, in Christ, we have every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, and we have it now, and we have it where? In Christ Jesus. So what does that mean? It means that anytime you want, okay, you can have joy. You can have love. You can have peace. You can have security. You can have rest, absence of fear, anytime you want. Because you know from the word of God that you, in fact, have every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places where your life is. We have this. We have real life. We have real life. Oh, we're so concerned about this little life here on this world. We're so think about our culture. Our culture is just, you know, bonzo. That's not even a good word, but I can't think of another word right now. And with the idea that we've got to, our life here, we've got to do everything we can. I got to, I'm going to be, I'm going to be my best person. I'm going to be all I can be. I'm going to have my bucket list. And for my health, I don't care. If I, if I listen to a commercial on television about a pill, I'm going to go to my doctor and ask him about it, even though the chances of me actually being helped by that are one in 100,000. Why? Because I'm all so focused on this life and preserving this crummy life. Look, I'm, I think you should stay healthy. But I think at the same time, you better know where your true life is. It's in Christ. Colossians 3.3. 3. That's where your life is now. And then soon enough, when he's revealed, you'll be real, revealed in glory. And that's certainly not, <laughs> I got, you know, that's certainly not the situation of believers. All, by definition, right? Not many wise, not many mighty, not many noble, not a lot of glory. And we, we shouldn't even want it from the world. But how about where our real life is? Eternal life. So in Christ, there's a real life. And look at this one. There's no condemnation. There's no condemnation ever, ever in Christ. That not only, by the way, you know, we think of that in terms of the moment we believed and being justified through the blood of Christ and his sacrifice. 
But it also is to be something, again, that it's in Christ. We have no condemnation in Christ Jesus. What does that mean? It means on a daily basis, we have no condemnation. When people in our lives put us down in such a way that we start to feel a little shame or a little guilt, well, wait a minute, just go back. Well, I'm, I'm going to live my life in Christ now. And he's saying I have no, con- I have no condemnation in him. He's saying that, oh, that, that my sins and, and transgressions and iniquities, he doesn't even remember anymore. When, when, and, the, and the worst is when we condemn ourselves on the inside. I don't know about you, but I'm a master at that. I mean, I can, maybe it's because I, I, I have mental problems, but, but I can come up all day long and, and stew in what's wrong with me. By the way, that's a good thing comparative to paying attention, all your attention to what's wrong with your brother. But that's not even a good thing when it turns that into that worry and guilt and anxiety and shame and all of that. No need for it. Why? Because we're in Christ Jesus and there's no condemnation there. This is what we already have too. We already have redemption. We already have forgiveness. This is related to no condemnation. In fact, you, you can't get to the no condemnation place until you get to the forgiveness of sins place first. That's why I've spent so much time trying to grapple with the idea that people have and that I used to have that we need to have our sins forgiven over and over and over again. That is no life. Think of it. There's no life. If you really think that every time you sin, you're under the wrath of God, you're under condemnation, or you're out of fellowship, or whatever it is that you may think is going on, trust me, it's not in God's eyes. Why? You already have redemption. I've been redeemed. By the blood of the Lamb, right? I've been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. I've been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Saved and sanctified I am. Next part. Washed away. That's what redemption is. All right, we have that. We have that. So based on that, guess what? We're a new creation. God started over again. He said, I'm going to put the old man on the cross, and that is your old life. And I'm going to now start over, and I'm going to make you a new creation. That's, by that, that's what it means to be born again, you know. All right? It doesn't mean to recite something and get dipped in some water and scream out, I'm born again. No, it means that you've literally been made a new creation in Christ. All things have passed away. All things are new. We have that. We have literally become the righteousness of God. I want you to think about that. I want to see how this, I want to see how this builds, right? Let's just say you, you entered into this with guilt and shame about something you did, something you thought. And then you realize that the blood of Christ has taken care of that forever. I have no condemnation and my sins are forgiven. And as a matter of fact, I've actually in God's eyes become the righteousness of God because Christ is our righteousness. And I'm in him. Isn't it great to live in Christ? I mean, think about it. In this unrighteous world, in my unrighteous body, God tells me I'm righteous because of the blood of Christ. And that's never going to change. I want to spend more time there. I hope you do too. And this one talked about love. Well, in Christ, say the next word, the first word on this slide. Nothing. 
in Christ, nothing. And he's already talked about things in heaven and things on earth and things in the past and things in the present and things in the future and any kind of demonic whatevers or fear or persecution. Nothing will separate us from the love of God. Where? I didn't finish that scripture because on purpose. In Christ Jesus. Yeah. The very love of God is in that other place I live, up in heaven where my citizenship is, up in heaven where my true life is. And because of that, I have an unseverable connection with the love of God. So if you come come in this morning, you know, I don't think anybody loves me. Well, you know, maybe there's some reasons why. I don't know. Get a dog. Don't get me started on dogs. <laughs> they don't love us in any kind of way in which we're talking this morning, of course, right? No, you know what they really love? I mean, they love companionship. You know, they love to see us around. That's fine. But I got to tell you something. If I'm gone for five hours, he's just as much in love with my wife, maybe always more so. I don't know if she's, what she's doing. But ultimately, they're in love with food. <laughs> and whoever feeds them, oh, we call it love. That's not what we're talking about, right? We know that. Nothing will separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Okay, let's keep going, though. Galatians 2, 4. We have liberty. We have freedom. Okay, I've got to say it. This is not the, the, what the world calls liberty or freedom. I mean, you can, you can be part of the Freedom Caucus. You can recite the national anthem and sing it. You can, you can read the Declaration of Independence every day. But that's not going to give you true freedom at all or true liberty at all. In fact, that could put you in bondage. Because the bondage that is really matters is the bondage of the world and the bondage of the flesh. And you can be at a political convention where everyone's talking about freedom, and the whole time, half of them are in bondage to the flesh. You know, if there's any sacred cows left, let me know what they are, and we can get rid of those too. In the world, we have true liberty, we have true freedom. We, you know, Christ came that we may be made free. And he says, what does he say after that? Do not be subject again to a yoke of slavery. And that yoke is not physical slavery. It's a slavery we enforce on ourselves. When we allow the old master once again to get a hole and a grip on our soul, he says, don't do that. He says, I, I set you free for freedom to live in it. We have an inheritance. We have an inheritance in Christ Jesus that will never tarnish, that will never be taken away. No court is going to look at someone's fake will and say, nope, you don't have any inheritance. Now, that can happen in the world. That's why Jesus said, don't put your money, not your money, but your love, those things in the world, because they rust, they decay. They can be taken from you. You have inheritance in heaven that cannot be taken from you. And then there's this one. Book of Ephesians chapter 2 verse 7 tells us that in the ages to come, God will continue to show us the surpassing riches of his grace 
in kindness toward us. In the ages to come. That means forever and ever and ever. I can't get my arms around that, my, my mental arms around that at all. I don't know what. Man. And he says, they're surpassing. What does that mean? Anything that I can see, ear can hear, or even has entered into the, into the hearts of men can compare to the surpassing riches of his grace and kindness toward us, not because of us, but because we're our we? In Christ Jesus. I'd like you to turn to Philippians chapter 4, verse 19. Philippians 4, 19. Because in the ages to come, we will, we will have the surpassing riches of God's grace. Look at it now. Look at it now. Philippians chapter 4, verses 19 to 20. And my God will supply all your needs. Do you believe this this morning? Do you? All right? You, you wouldn't feel needy about coming, leaving today if you believed this. Wouldn't, you wouldn't, right? Why? Because God will supply all your needs according to his riches in glory. Now, I, I was listening to a song today that talked about deliverance from the storm. And yes, he does that. But you know what else is true? He's hanging out with us in the storm. And, and I got to tell you, in certain respects, that's even better. <laughs> you know, because I know if he delivers me from one storm, there's going to be another one. But if he's with me, and he is, of course, if I, when I come to the understanding that he's with me there, then no storm is going to harm me. Like a little baby in the arms of his mom. All our needs. Now to God, to our God and Father, be the glory forever and ever. Amen. And we saw the glory, Jesus talking about the glory in chapter 17. But then there's the other world that we're in, the world, right? In the world, what happens? We will face tribulation and hatred. In the world, again, we will face and do face tribulation and hatred. But see, the world, you know, the world and the flesh, and yes, Satan, it comes from him, masters of deception. Oh, you know, they're your friend. Oh, you know, that will feel good. Oh, you know, you've got to be angry once in a while, or maybe a lot, right? And, uh, you know, as long as you as long as you don't talk about Jesus, this guy will be okay. You know, lies, 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 lies. He hates you from the moment you stepped into the room. Now I'm not talking again. Not even consciously. Not going to beat you up. But there's that conflict between what's in him and what's in you, and that's going to find a way to reveal itself somehow. Although you're going to be lied to along the way. But you do face tribulation and hatred from the world. But thank God you don't have to live there mentally. Look at John chapter 15, verses 18 to 21. John 15, 18 to If the world hates you, you know 
This is Jesus talking to his disciples. You know that it has hated me before it hated you. Now, do you think when he, when he tells us the world hates us and we start to tremor and shake in our boots, is that really what that's all about? Is that why he says, you know what, I need you to shake in your boots at the world, so I'm going to tell you that they hate you. Not at all. Not at all. They already hate you. He's just letting you know about it. And he's also letting, letting you know what the solution is. Verse 19. If you are of the world, the world would love its own. That's simple. The world loves its own. As a matter of fact, the more that a person does the worldly stuff and the fleshly stuff, the more the world loves them. And that's absolutely true to a point. But the, but the world being evil like it is, it'll let you go for a while and then it will condemn you like nobody's business and your name will be in the front pages of the paper and everyone will hate you. <laughs> See, that's what I'm saying. The world can't hide this deception forever. If you were of the world, the world would love its own. But because you're not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, because of that, because I chose you out of the world, Jesus says, the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you. A slave is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, Jesus said, they will persecute you too. If they kept my word, they will keep yours also. But all these things they will do to you for my namesake, because they don't know the one who sent me. You do. I do. And the reason we know the one who sent Jesus is because Jesus is the flashing forth of who God is. So if you believe in Jesus and, you know, you can learn some things. I mean, as a matter of fact, John 17, 3, which we're going to look at next week. He said to the Father, this is eternal life that they may know you and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. So that's the whole idea of growing is that we come to know him more and more and more. Well, so, but they don't know me. The world will never know Christ. The world hated Christ first. But now we will experience that same hatred. We do experience that same hatred, whether we realize it or not. And the Lord protects you, by the way, from a lot of this. He does, because he knows we're weak. He knows if the people around us that hate us would show all of that at once, it would be a rough day. He doesn't want that. But occasionally he wants to allow, be able to you know, peek under the curtain. So he said, so yeah, that's what you want to stay away from. We experience the same hatred. Look at Philippians 1.19. Philippians 1.19. Philippians 1.19. I mean, one nine, one twenty nine. I have people looking at me. Well, well, okay. You're saying nineteen. Your slide says twenty nine. Did you make another typo? Well, which one's correct? <laughs> the slide this time. Philippians one twenty nine. For to you it has been granted for Christ's sake, not only to believe in Him, but also to suffer for His sake. Hmm. And Paul will talk about the conflict they saw in Him, which means a lot of the suffering is internal. You know, again, the most natural thing for us is to look at sort of physical suffering, suffering out there, whether it's relationships or wars or 
You know, but Paul said, the worst suffering I go through is in me, the conflict that you have. But we'll have that. In another place, Peter writes that those who have suffered have ceased from sinning. And you might say, that sounds legalistic. But let me tell you something. You and I both know that God does not want us to sin, right? Does God want us to sin? No. Is it because he's going to have to judge us? No, not at all. You want to know why? It's because the flesh, when we sin, guess what? We're, we're being pushed into that world that he wants to keep us from. That's that's big reason why. After all, it's not his holiness anymore, not for believers, because the blood of Christ has perfectly satisfied his holiness on our behalf. No, it's for us. The reason he doesn't want us to sin is for us. Not only individually, but also as a congregation. So again, we see in first, uh, 2 Timothy, just on the board, you can write it down. Or 2 Timothy 3.12 says, Indeed, all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. And what is that saying? It's saying, you know, you love Jesus, you want to be in Christ Jesus. And guess what? That desire will also contribute to you being persecuted. But fear not. Christ has overcome the world. John 16, b go, go now back to that passage this morning as we wrap things up. John 16, 33b. In the world you have tribulation. But take courage. Don't be afraid. Don't worry. I, Jesus Christ, have overcome the world. And he has. He's had victory. Christ, when did he overcome the world, by the way? Yes, thank you. At the cross. Why am I telling you that? Because it's finished. (laughs) He's already had the victory. And he's in heaven and he's telling us, you can have your own little victories all the time against the world. You have the power in you that's greater than he that's in the world. You, as you be, as you're trained in the word of God and you're trained to put away the old and have your mind renewed and put on the new, you'll have more and more victories over the world. You'll be protected more and more. Those temptations that seem so strong, they're not any weaker, but your love is greater. And we know that perfect, mature love casts out fear. So Christ overcame the world at the cross. And he was literally victorious for all time over the ruler of this world and all his associates, the principalities and powers and demons and all of that. He had victory over. Look at Colossians chapter, whoops, too many pictures, John. Colossians 2.13 Colossians 2.13. Christ defeated the world at the cross. He had the victory. Colossians 2.13. When you were dead... In your transgressions and the uncircumcision of your flesh. He made you alive together with Christ. Having, notice, forgiven us all our transgressions. 
having canceled out the certificate of debt consisting of decrees against us. That's the law. That's all the claims that God had against us because of sin, which was hostile to us. And he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. What does that mean? It means anything that God could have held against you as a sinner, he's already taken that debt and canceled it at the cross. In fact, a lot of times we do cancel this way. Maybe we should do cancel this way. At the cross, it's all wiped out. It's all done. It is finished. And then, look at verse 15. When he had disarmed the rulers and authorities, there you go, those are the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. What did he do to them? Disarmed them. Disarmed them means take away their weapons. They don't have any weapons against you. And again, this is, of course, in the spiritual realm and in the physical realm. There's no, we're protected from the bad angels in ways that we don't even realize because it would, we would be scared too much if we saw some of the things they'd done battle against to protect us from. When he had disarmed the rulers and authorities, he made a public display of them, having triumphed over them through Christ. So that's what happened. He had victory over the ruler of this world at the cross. But then he told us that just as he has had tribulation, so will we. Just as we are sharers, though, in his tribulation, guess what? So, too, are we sharers in his victory. That's how this works. We had this, we had this world, and it had its citations, it had its condemnation, it had its hatred, lack of peace, all of that. And then Jesus Christ came on his cross and he defeated it all. And then he says, you know that tribulation I was talking to you about? Oh man, I had it worse than any of you guys ever could. And I hung in there and I took it and I went to the cross and I was made sin for you. And because of that, now you get to share in all the victory and the spoils of victory. Isaiah chapter 53 verse 12. So, that's good. He's overcome the world. And just as he has, now we, believers in Christ, we already have overcome the world. We've already done it. Oh, eyes won't tell you that. Ears won't tell you that. Your neighbors won't tell you that. The newspaper won't tell you that. As a matter of fact, there's no other place than in God's word that's going to tell you that. But isn't that enough? Isn't it enough that God told us we've already had the victory? that we may not understand it, that we may be going through things in this life, but it doesn't matter because we've already had the victory. What does matter is that we know about it and we live there. No matter what, he's with me, he's, I'm in him and he's in me, and I don't care what I'm going through. It doesn't change the fact. We've already won, Lord, right? Yeah, we've already won. Just hang in there. And by the way, some of the greatest things happen when you're in tribulation and the Lord's with you there. Some of the greatest things happen. So it's not just hang in there. It's also, hey, we're closer now than ever before. We have overcome the world as well. For example, look at 1 John chapter 5, verses 4 to 5. 1 John 5, 4 to 5.
or whatever, whoever is born of God overcomes the world. Simple, isn't it? Notice why. Because when you were dead in your trespasses and sins, he made you alive. So you're alive in Christ. You've already been born again. You were, you're an adopted child of God. All, only through faith. And guess what? By that fact and that fact alone, by simply believing in my son, God tells us, you've overcome the whole world and everything we've talked about that's bad about it this morning. And who, again, who is it? What, has, what is the victory? What is our victory that overcomes the world? Our faith. Like, like, like Paul said, I've been crucified with Christ. I no longer live. Nevertheless, I do live. But the life I live now, I live by faith in the Son of God. That's how we have victory over the world. Simply believing. God said it. I believe it. That settles it. I'm not a totally big fan of that expression, but there's times when it fits. Yeah, just believe the truth. You have overcome the world. Believe it. Christ died for your sins. Believe it. You have an inheritance in heaven. Believe it. Eye hasn't seen, ear hasn't heard, nor has it entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for those who love him. Believe it. Okay? You have a great citizenship in heaven. You have an inheritance waiting for you. Christ is going to come someday, and whether you're dead or alive, he is going to, he's going to make you alive forever, body, soul, spirit, and take you up there to heaven where you'll see his glory. And there's nothing that here that's going to... Matter of fact, the only things now, you can do nothing against the truth only for it. And any, any other things now that you go through, trust me, they're only going to enhance your appreciation and experience of him here on earth and especially when we see him. So the world has no power over us. We've, we've been crucified to the world. The world has been crucified to us. We are dead to the world, and the world is dead to us, whether we realize it or not. Because the only thing that's left where the Lord, for some reason, has allowed the world and Satan in our flesh to try to get us is right here, right here, between the temples, right? And it's not literally there. But it's in our thinking. We can, isn't it true we can make ourselves a hell on earth just by the way we think? Of course we can. We can make a heaven on earth too by the way we think. So which do you want? Well, good, because that's, it's simple. I can tell you exactly how. And, and that's to just go to the word of God and you know, know him and know what he's done for you. In the world we have trouble. But in Christ, we have victory over tribulation. Please, finally, this morning, look at Romans chapter 8, verse 35. Romans 8, 35. We have the victory. The victory has already been won. It was won at the cross. Jesus Christ canceled out the certificate of debt, which was hostile to us, canceled it out. He's defeated the principalities and powers at the cross. We are crucified to the world, and the world is crucified to us. Notice now, Romans 8, 35 to 37. And then comes persecution. And Jesus said, if they persecuted me, they'll persecute you. But don't fear. Romans 8, 35. Who will separate us from the love of Christ? Will tribulation? Will it? No. Will distress? 
No. Will, will your body lie to you in the day of persecution and distress and tell you God doesn't love you anymore? Yes, the body and sin will always be trying to talk to you and get you to think something that's not true. Persecution, famine, nakedness, peril, or sword. It's got to be really, really hard for any Christian who is in prison. I mean, we have relatively minor things that might cause us to think God doesn't love us. You know, it's a little more major when you're in prison and they're not feeding you. But even there, Nothing is going to separate you from the love of God. Or peril or sword, the battlefield. Just as it is written, for your sake, we are being put to death. For your sake, Lord, we're being put to death all day long. We were considered as sheep to be slaughtered. But what does the Lord do for his sheep? He loves them. He protects them. He he gives them a place to go, even in the midst of, of worst attacks. Look, verse 37. But in all these things, what things? Tribulation. Distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, peril, sword, and all these things we overwhelmingly conquer through him who loved us. So, so and I've got to emphasize overwhelmingly because his point is the more it seems like these things are taking you over, they're running you over, because of me and because of my love, Jesus says, you're overwhelmingly conquering at that point. I mean, more so than in your daily lives. There's value. Momentary light affliction is producing for us an eternal weight of glory. In the world, you have tribulation, but take heart. I have overcome the world. And with that, we've now completed the teaching of Jesus to his disciples. The end of chapter 16. And now what we have next is is Jesus talking to his father for himself, but really for the Father, the glory they share, for the disciples back then to protect them from the world and have them united for us now, for all the church, in that unity and love that he has for us. So that's where we'll be going to next Sunday. I'm looking forward to it. You don't have to wait, of course. You can read it, right? It's always good to do that. Just read it. And don't read it once. Read it a few times. Because that way, when 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 we're ready to hear it together next week, It'll already be circulating in your heart. Let's close in prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you again for all your good graces. Thank you again that we can go to this place in Christ where we have victory. We know it. We can experience it. Your love, the peace, the joy. We thank you, Father, for the amazing things you've done for us. We don't, you know, we were dead. We were simply dead and you did all this for us. And now at the end, Father, we do once again bring to mind the unbelievers around us and to understand how desperately they need to hear the truth that they don't want to hear and how you have the Holy Spirit working to convict them. I mean, I mean in every way, you don't want any to perish, Father. And the, and the only thing we can really do is two things. We can pray for them. We can believe that the Holy Spirit is at work. And then we can also give them the truth. That first sanctification with the truth, Father, comes from the gospel. So we thank you that we can do all that. And we thank you you have done all that. We ask all of this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. All right. Don't have to wait till Sunday to be with us, by the way. We have Bible study Thursday evening at 630. And it's good for your soul. All right. You're dismissed. Enjoy this day.